thanks for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. This is David Perkins, and we're so glad that you're listening. Hey, if you're a part of our family meeting online or in person, we want to encourage you to get connected at Radiant Church KC across all social media platforms. God is doing something incredible in Kansas City, and we love connecting with you, whether it's through our app or even through all the content available on our YouTube page. Hey, our prayer is that God uses this message to change your life and that you could become a dynamic disciple of Jesus. Thanks for listening. Enjoy this message. All right, everybody. Can you give Renata a big hand? She's going to join me today. And uh, I have a couple announcements uh, as we get going. And the first is, is that this Saturday, um, May 14th, uh, we'll be uh, a part of the Send, uh, which is a massive, yeah, which is a massive worship prayer gathering um, at Arrowhead Stadium. And so anyway, I would encourage you, if you want to jump all in with that, that's coming up this Saturday. And um, it's, it, the, the way it will conclude is it's going to end with a... Um, a call for young people to be missionaries. And so uh, we're believing God that this will be a massive uh, mobilization moment uh, for, for this generation of people. Actually, Andy Bird, who's uh, one, of, one of my dear friends, and uh, you remember when he spoke here last time, he made the joke that you know, he's our missions pastor. And, and uh, so we're praying that this will be a moment where we look as historic in having thousands, um, and, and ultimately the dream is that will influence tens of thousands of people to become overseas missionaries in our lifetime. And so I believe it's going to be a massively significant time, and, uh, and I want to encourage you if you're able to make it and go, uh, even if you can go to a part of it, um, obviously there's a lot of seating, and so uh, at Arrowhead it's going to be massive, and um, we love it. We're, as a church, uh, we're, we're jumping all in and, and committed to helping see the Great Commission happen in our generation. So I want to get that on your radar um, and make sure that you are uh, aware of that. Also, next Sunday, um, Andy will be here uh, uh, at the 1045 service, and uh, our own Rachel Dorenzi is going to be preaching at the 9 a.m., and so um, we're going we're, we're to call it Great Commission Sunday and just stay in the vein of, uh, of mobilization for missions next week. So that's going to be a fun Sunday. Okay, uh, here we go. You ready for this? All right, come on. Um, let me take just a moment and, um, and, and kind of just kind of set this up. We're in this series called Homecoming. And here's the idea. Uh, we took the first week and um, my dad talked about the father heart and talked about the father and grace and truth. And then last week we talked about um, in, this, in this series, Homecoming, where we're really building. That's why we sang the song a moment ago where we're studying this famous parable. It's probably the parable that we're all extremely familiar with. It's one of the most famous in the scriptures. Um, and then last week, we, we zeroed in on the father's heart for the prodigal. And then instead of just going personal about my own response, we went after you and I possessing a heart like the father for the prodigals. And I want to thank all of you that came and prayed um, on Wednesday night, praying for prodigals. I, I love that. Those of you that logged in online as well. I think it's going to continue to grow as a significant culture of our church. In fact, Kyle and I are working on ways that we can uptick praying for prodigals in our church. So anyway, it was a powerful time last week. And today, on Mother's Day, we're going to stay in that parable. Uh, but Renata and I have just taken a few ideas that we see in the heart of the, the father. And we want to apply that to parenting. Um, so Renata, why don't you welcome and then pray for us. And then we'll go after Luke 15. Sound good? 
Mother's Day to all of the moms out there. Um, it's such a special day, and we just want you to feel celebrated and loved, all of the women to feel loved, everyone to feel loved today. Um, but I know there's so many different kinds of moms we have, adoptive moms and foster moms, spiritual moms, um, women who are waiting to have babies one day, women with 10 kids and one child and moms of adult children. And um, we just want you to know that we celebrate you today and we love you today. And we have lattes out here for you today. And That's how you know we love you. We have lattes. <laughs> yes, coffee. Bring on the coffee. And pictures. And pictures um, as well um, that our photographers are taking. And there's actually this um, QR code here on uh, this that you get in, that you got in your seats. And also, this is also um, a little card um, that is a save the date for Flourish, which is um, our first women's event that we're going to do as Radiant in the fall. So we're really excited about that. So there will be more details um, coming about that soon. Um, but I'll just go ahead and pray as we get started. Jesus, I just thank you so much today for um, all of the moms who are here. God, I just want to lift them up specifically and thank you for all of the different hats they wear, all the different things that they do to invest in their children. And Lord, we just thank you for this day that we get to celebrate them and just talk about your heart as a father um, towards us. And God, we ask that we as parents would carry that heart towards our children so God, as we dive into this today, God, I just pray that you would open up our hearts to the words that you would want to speak to us, and I pray that we would just be encouraged in your life, in your word, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so we're going to just zero in on verse 20. Uh, we read the whole parable um, last week, but let's just take this phrase, which this is the moment um, that speaks of when the... A uh, younger brother comes home and says this. So he got up and went to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. We're gonna highlight that. That's one of the things we're gonna go after. And was filled with compassion. That's the second one that we're gonna go after. Uh, parenting with seeing your children. And we're gonna use the word attention. Compassion. We're gonna talk about that being in the heart of parents. Uh, he ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to his father, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But his father said to him, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine. And that's kind of the third idea that we're going to go after, where he actually affirms his identity as his son after he's failed. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. So we're going to title this Parenting with a loving heart, all right? Parenting with a loving heart. And first idea is when the father uh, sees him. And so the, the, the way that I see this is kind of in this context, you would think about this seeing while he was still a long way off, the father saw him, he was paying attention. So it wasn't necessarily that he just happened to show up and the father glanced. Uh, Many Bible commentators will even say that there's an in, inherent in it is an intentionality of looking with that hopeful expectation. Sometimes even uh, some will say this shouldn't be entitled the, the prodigal son, but this parable should be called the waiting father because you can almost picture seated on the porch waiting. And so we want to take that and apply practically as parents that we're paying attention to our children. So it's easy for us as parents to just allow our kids to maybe live in our home, to in the midst of all of our distraction with our, all the things we want to do, all of our own values, goals, commitments, to 
to have parenting be kind of on the side. But what we're talking about is that parenting perceived as a core purpose, calling, mission in parents. So that we're actually even rearranging some of our hobbies, rearranging some of the things that we, that we value so that we can put what we value so highly of our children as first paying attention to them. All right, so babe, talk about, sorry, I shouldn't call you babe. Renata, go ahead. Talk about. <laughs> Thanks, babe. Attention. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yes. So the definition of attentive is paying close attention to something, the act or the power of fixing the mind on something, careful listening or watching. Um, I remember when our kids were little, we um, would read through the child's book of character building, and one of the um, things that we studied was attentiveness in it. So we learned the definition of listening with your eyes, your ears, and your heart. And we would talk about doing that with each other, you know, really paying close attention. Um, but it's more difficult than ever to be attentive. Um, our average attention span now is under eight seconds. Um, so with our phones, our computers, all the activities, just the culture of busyness, it's difficult to see our children the way that they need to be seen. In Genesis 16, Hagar calls God the God who sees me and calls him Elroy, um, which means the God who sees me. Um, Sarah, Abraham's wife, was not able to get pregnant. And so she made the decision to have Abraham marry Hagar, his servant, and have a child through her. But Sarah began to despise Hagar and mistreated her. So Hagar fled. And in her low moment in the desert, an angel of the Lord found her and told her to go back and promised her that he would give her a great nation through her son. And because God saw her when no one else did, she declared him Elroy the God who sees me. And so that is the father heart of the of in this parable as well as um, in this name, Elroy. And we want to choose to see our kids and it is a choice. Um, we want to see their hearts. Um, Proverbs 4 says, above all else, guard your heart for from it flows the wellspring of life. And so we want them to have a heart for Jesus, a heart for others, look at their heart, see it, what they're hurt by, what's inspiring them. And we want to see their appetites, what they're excited about, what they want to do in their free time, you know, just looking at those things that they're interested in and talking to them about what they're thinking about and helping shape their appetites for good things. We want to see their influences, uh, who their friends are, the music they're listening to, the music they, or the movies they watch, um, social media. Their, their environments, their schools, their activities where they work, all those things, just seeing what is their life like, what are the environments, and how do we do this? There's so many ways. Um, we listen to them, we look at their lives, notice the conversations that they're having with each other, um, just seeing what they're listening to, what they're watching, what they're interested in, visiting their classes, having one-on-one -on -one times with them. Um, when Dawson was in first grade, David and I were talking to him about making wise choices and choosing his friends. And so we would talk to him about his inner circle, the circle of influence, the few friends um, that he would choose that would influence him the most and talking to him about choosing those friends wisely, like Proverbs 13, 20. We would always talk about how he walks with the wise, becomes wise, but the companion of fools suffers harm. 
And then outside of that, he would have his circle of people that he would care about and was concerned about and loved, but he needed to be really careful about who that inner circle was. And so um, we were asking him, okay, which boys at school are, have character and are respecting the teacher, are kind to other people, letting other people go first, things like that. And so he would tell us about this specific boy and so we were encouraging this friendship. And I, then I decided I'd go and visit the class as a teacher helper because I wanted to just see so I could encourage him. And um, this boy is actually the loudest, most disobedient, <laughs> disruptive kid in the whole class. And I was so glad I visited because I was like, okay, let's help coach you in this different way. Um, so... Anyway, um, we are wanting to see our kids day to day and then also see them in the overall just season that they're in. You know, what do they need in this season? And one of the things that David and I like to do, if we can, we try to, is to get away one or two times a year just for a day. And we just look at each child like and just talk about what's happening in their lives, who their friendships are, their schooling, their calling, all these things. And let's take this out. Let's invest here. Let's invest in this friendship. Let's take them out of this activity or whatever it is. And we're always praying about that every year um, just to be as intentional as we, as we can be. And then we also do one-on-one -on -one times, which I know David has talked about before, but that's been huge um, for us. And his dad did that with him as well. And one of the things that I've learned with that even recently is, um, and we don't hit it every week, but, but we try to, um, is um, when I will just sit across the table from them or um, in, our, you know, in our little tea room or prayer room or whatever it's called um, and just look them in. I don't like the word tea room. It sounds feminine. So sorry, go so ahead. It's the prayer room. It's the den. It has a million names. Anyway, um, when I'll stop and look them in the eye and just talk with them and ask them questions, it's better than if we're going on a run to Target or just like doing it because I'm, I'm always trying to get everything done at once. I'm always wanting to multitask, but if I will just take the time and not multitask and just focus and be really attentive, um, we just go a lot further in those times I relationally and with the Lord, so. So good. You know, when, uh, you remember that story uh, about Dawson in first grade. Um, this has nothing other than humor, but when he was in that same class, the teacher had them go around and say their favorite animal. And so the kids were like, my favorite is a lion, a tiger, an elephant. And it got to Dawson and he goes, small dogs. And so anyway, <laughs> I love that story. Just like his dad. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, okay. But one of the things that you said about, um, about, I mean, you're talking about a first grader and you were talking about his social circle. I think Sometimes we hear that and we think, wow, that sounds like, okay, the, your circle of influence versus those that you're trying to impact or your circle of concern sounds kind of strict for a first grader, but it was something that we were working on so that you're, you're forming that kind of thinking uh, even in those young years so that like right now he's 17 um, and, and you've been working on it all the way through. Um, I think that, that is, that's what we're talking about, about being intentional. It's, it's oftentimes those conversations. It's those questions that seem like extra, meaning people often think that feels like fluff. It feels like, oh, come on, be, be, that's too much. But it's that relational coaching. It's that, those, those minutes to hours of conversations that pay dividends down the road. Um, 
I've been loving this book um, by John Tyson called The Intentional Father. And in that story, John Tyson talks about how the, the greatest day uh, for him with his own father. So John Tyson, he's a pastor in New York City, just wrote a, a great book that's been influencing me. Um, and, but he talks about his father paying attention to him. And he said the greatest day was when he was in junior high and he had gotten in a fight um, and he was walking home, kind of beat up. Um, and his dad was working in the yard. And when he, when he, as he was walking towards the house, dad dropping all that he was doing, going, having the conversation, asking questions about the fight, asking not just if he was okay, but kind of where it landed, that kind of thing. And then um, he talked about how the hardest day was high school and dad um, at the game that he was playing basketball, but reading a book. And so he felt like present, but not no attention. And I think it's easy for us, um, even in the busyness, to be present, but not, but not attentive, not, not paying attention. And so we see Jesus, um, there's so many different times that we see Jesus asking questions to his disciples, but one of the ones is in Mark 9, where he, he says to them, hey, what are, you, what are you arguing about on the road? Which is, that seems like just kind of a silly question, but what he's doing is he's taking the moment in Mark 9, where they're fighting, the disciples are fighting, and then he's asking about what's going on. He's leaning in, he's paying attention, which is, which is kind of what we do with parenting over and over again. It's the things that you can easily just skip over, but you're looking for, you're, you're aiming at motive, you're aiming at heart, you're trying to craft that heart. So it's attitudes in a football game, it's, it's attitudes in, with siblings, and then asking questions to try to uh, to try to be attentive, to try to see them. So that idea uh, in verse 20, where it says the father saw him, we're just coming after this concept of intentionally looking, being attentive to their heart motives because we're trying to steer them towards Christ. And it's not just when they're little. Uh, one of my friends who's uh, right now in, in about 60, um, one of the things that he does for his five adult children is he engages with them through text messages where he's still going after their hearts. So some are in ministry, some are in business, um, some are teachers, but he's got five children and he's still aiming at helping them walk with God um, by being attentive. And it's, it's through, a, a, I mean, in addition to other conversations, it's a daily, it's a daily text. Um, my point being that I think that as parents at all different ages, um, we're aiming after, I, I see you. I've got, I want... Uh, I'm aiming at your walk with God and your calling, and I'm paying attention. Okay, so that second one, so that's what we're gonna say the father sees him. We're going after the loving heart, what it looks like for parents to look at the father in the parable. What can we value from them? What are some attributes that exist in the father? Second one is this. It says he had compassion for his son. Um, I'm gonna take just a second to talk about, let's talk about compassion. Yes, okay. So to have compassion means to empathize with someone who is suffering and to feel compelled to reduce the suffering. So it's empathy plus a desire to help. And empathy, according to Les and Leslie Parrott, um, who are marriage authors, um, is imagining what life is like at a moment in time for another person. It means putting yourself in their skin, looking at life through their eyes. It means walking in their shoes and it's a rarity. Only the healthiest people among us become adept at practicing empathy. 
And that's exactly why their relationships are healthy too. Empathy is the on-ramp to self-giving love. It's the single most important skill set for your relationships. It's the key to unlocking a person's spirit at the most intimate and vulnerable levels. So we want to parent that way with compassion, putting ourselves in our kids' shoes, imagining what life is like for them at a moment in time. And how do we do this? Um, To empathize, we need to set aside our own personal agenda in the moment, whatever that may may be at the time, and listen and ask questions, um, like you were talking about, genuinely care, try to understand what they're feeling, why they're feeling it, and connect with their hearts. And then it's also a desire to help. So trying to help if possible, Uh, Compassion includes helping maybe develop an action plan to help their situation. And compassion takes time. It's not efficient. Um, So sometimes (laughs) when our kids are upset, it's tempting, at least for me, to not empathize or listen and to try to get them to just stop, be distracted, give them a quick answer, and just get on with our day. Um, It's tempting for me to be too busy, to take the time to hear the whole story, or even for me to to be just frustrated by another problem because it seems like there's so many problems in a day or so many problems that they might bring. Um, So we need the strength of the Lord to practice this. This is supernatural. This takes the Holy Spirit inside of us, giving us strength. Um, to be able to be his hands and feet in this way to our children. And I realized when I was asking my kids this week about examples of compassion, that literally, truly, and I can't give you all the examples because some of them are too personal for them, but my very worst and my very best parenting moments are connected to compassion. They're connected to me just taking that time to slow down and see and help. Um, a lot so, of best. I mean, you're being very nice, but this is your power alley. Sorry, go ahead. Thanks, babe. I'm going to share a bad one, though, in a minute, because thank you. It's so <laughs> sweet. Um, they're not all good. Um, I mean, but, you could say, David is an example of lacking some compassion, <laughs> but you're trying to have compassion on me by not bringing up. Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, like interrupting you. Go ahead. Sorry. Um, but they do, they remember some of the most emotionally difficult moments of their lives. And when we were able to respond to them with compassion, they were deeply impacted, probably the most impacted moments. Um, but I haven't always gotten this right. Um, so one morning, um, probably about a year into the church plant, um, we, we would all go as a family to set up every six or whenever it was at that point. Um, And it was so fun. I mean, we all loved it. The kids loved it. It was the highlight of their week, their favorite day of the week. They were about 6, 8, 10, and 12-ish at that time. And so one Sunday morning, one of them tiptoed into my room to wake me up and tell me it was time to go. And it was 3 a.m. And so I get out of bed, and I find all four of them standing at the bottom of our stairs, all dressed with their shoes on, big smiles on their faces, and ready to go. And um, it was so sweet, right? But I was so angry. (laughs) And it was really fear because I'm thinking, 
they're probably not going to go back to sleep. I'm probably not going to go back to sleep. Is David going to wake up? How in the world are we going to do church tomorrow? We're going to have an awful day. And so they're, keep try- they're, they're trying to tell me the reason why that they thought the five was a two and whatever. And I am like, not one word, not one word. Get upstairs now, get in bed. And I'm like, zip it like that. I just kept saying that zip it. And um, like, I never say that, you know, but now it's our joke because I repented later and we all laugh because that was one of mom's worst moments. And I'm like, run with me here where the only thing she can come up with is zip it. I'm just telling you, I'm like, we got, I'm not doing this one because I got 15, way worse than that, but go ahead. I was trying to figure out what was the lack of compassion. Zip it. I do have worse ones. I do. I do. Okay, Most moms but, are like, beep, 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 beep. but I have a good one now. Stop. Sorry. Okay. Um, Very sweet. When Olivia was nine, um, we were reading this um, book biography, like a hero of the faith. And um, there was this portion on martyrs uh, that was too graphic for her age, but it was too late. I had already read, read the page. And... Um, <laughs> So it was so sad because I'm like, I'm trying to do the right thing here. Um, But she started struggling with anxiety and um, she was afraid to be alone. She was afraid to go to bed at night. She was struggling with all of these fearful thoughts. And and so when she was up at night, I would sit with her and ask her how she felt and listen and, um, you know, just talk to her, relate to her about, I felt fearful and anxious too, and here's what I do. And we'd write out the truth and the lies she was believing and pray, speak truth. Sometimes we'd watch a movie, but this went on for several months and um, eventually she got past it and got free of that. Um, but it meant so much to her and it's still one of the moments that she would talk about as so meaningful. Uh, and, you know, and for me in the moment, I'm tired it's not what I want to do, you know? And so it takes that supernatural, okay, Jesus, I'm gonna get up again and I'm gonna spend this hour with her instead of, instead of going to bed or just being like, you're gonna be fine, you know, but fighting through that. And so um, when we meet our children in their suffering, it's so powerful. It makes mm-hmm. an incredible impact. That's a great point. And that's certainly what's going on in the parable right here. This is the moment where the youngest son it's his worst moment. He's gone out. He spent all he had, wasted it on wild living. And, and this could be the moment, just speaking in terms of parenting, where a parent would be, who are you? And I, how, you're done. And I'm mad at you. And all that kind of stuff. And yet, in the parable, the father uses the moment to show compassion in the child's worst moment, in the moment where the, the child has failed significantly. And I was thinking about even dad, the story that you told um, two weeks ago, where you told the story about your dad, granddad, which by the way, granddad, he's my hero. Uh, I know I've been saying my dad's my hero, but my granddad was five foot two, baby. Mm. And so, mm, and so, uh, but where granddad, um, when dad drops his marbles as an eight-year-old, puts his arm around him and shows compassion in his darkest moment. And it, it, it connects the heart of the child to the, to the father, to the parent in that moment. And likewise, that's what's gonna happen here when the son experiences mercy, grace, compassion instead of the rage. But the interesting thing is that we all feel the rage. Um, and 
even when we look at, um, so Exodus 34, God calls himself compassionate in the moment where he, where he is also angry. So it's the story where he's delivered out of Egypt, Israelites taken care of, plagues, brought him out, showed such kindness. And then we read the story where they, he, Moses goes up on the mountain, they create an idol, and it's in that context where they're going to worship it, where God shows compassion and speaks of himself as having compassion, even when his children, Israel, have fallen miserably, have worshiped an idol. And it's in that context, Exodus 34, where it says, I just want to read it because God describes himself this way. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger. Why would we even put that in there? Because you've got the opportunity for anger, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness and maintaining love to thousands, forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. Judgment is real. And in the midst of the moment where, where it's easy to show anger, we have both in Exodus 34 and in Luke 15, this story of demonstrating compassion. Psalm 103, verse 13 says, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. So this is an attribute of our heavenly father. When we as parents demonstrate compassion like our heavenly father, it helps our children connect to us and, ex and experience our love and ultimately our value system. Ultimately, it's what, it's what brings us close. So I think, I think that's significant if we can show compassion. And I'm, I'm just trying to highlight that because those, those moments, even the moments of dropping your marbles, that could be the moment where granddad is, it, it, the, the response didn't have to be, this is my son whom I love with whom I'm well pleased, stare back at the preacher. The moment could have been, push him aside, embarrassment, I'm so sorry, everybody, this guy's a moron, sorry, dad, but like, you know, like, ah, shame and frustration and anger, and I think in moments of crisis, that's often how we feel, so it's often how we act, so in those moments, to get close enough to the Father, and that's, that's the way we'll grow in compassion, when we recognize I am the one, the prodigal that is run home and experienced the compassion of my father. Therefore, because I've experienced compassion from God, not necessarily from my child, from God, I can show compassion to my child. Okay, so let's keep going. So this, this, this last one is affirmation. And so uh, he says it over both sons. He says, for this son of mine was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. And he calls him this son of mine, the younger brother. And then he affirms the older brother. So he looks at his son after his son, after the older brother says, all these years I've slaved for you. You've never once given me even a goat for my friends. He says, whoa, 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 my son. And he calls him my son. You're always with me. Everything I have is yours. But he goes out and he calls both sons after failing. One son partying. One son, bitterness and grudges, both failing sons, and yet their behavior doesn't dictate if they belong in the house. They belong even though they haven't behaved. And so he says, my son. Let's talk for just a moment about giving that affirmation to children. 
So children look to us first to figure out who they are. And we all need to know that we're loved even when we mess up. And the father tells the son, I love you, you're wanted, you belong here, even though you messed up. So the son says, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And the father's response is this son of mine. So he doesn't say you're a loser, you're a fool, you're an idiot. He says this son of mine. So in his darkest moment, the father speaks life, identity, truth, and he breaks that lie. And our words are powerful, both negative and positive. The Bible is full of that message. Proverbs 15:4 says a soothing tongue is a tree of life. Proverbs 12:18 says the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Proverbs 18:21 says death and life are in the power of the tongue. So we want to speak life over our kids like the father daily if we can. We're breaking the lies with our words. We're speaking the truth. We're speaking identity. So how do we do this? Um, what By looking, by seeing them, what we're talking about with attentiveness. And then um, by identifying, uh, noticing their strengths, their character, their wise choices, uh, their time with Jesus, affirming every good thing. Um, we can even give them as they get older and notice as they're younger gift tests, recognize who they are, what they bring to the family or to the church. You know, we have kids here serving even in elementary and teens, what, what, what their gifts are in, in the community, in their schools, in the world, like what, who are they called to be? Asking yourself in the Lord, who is Adeline? You know, who is justice? How do you see them? How have you called them to make a difference in the world? And then speak those things. It's not enough just to think them. We must say them. So every time we see something good, we want to call it out. Um, we want to say those encouraging things. You're a leader. You're such a great organizer. Look, you, you communicated so well in that speech. You're such a hard worker. You are fill in the blank. I wonder how God will use you to impact the world. And we do this even, even when they mess up. If they've messed up, you know, they're still a son and a daughter, like in this parable. So we want to affirm their identity first and then talk about the choice. So That's saying, okay. for example, you're a man or woman of God, but this was not a good choice. And sometimes this is difficult when we see patterns of unrighteousness in their lives over and over again. But if we'll ask the Lord and we'll see them through God's eyes, we'll see them through that lens of compassion and grace. And if we think about how we want God to see us in our brokenness, it helps us to respond like him to our children. I remember one time um, I was gone and someone was babysitting our kids. And when I walked in the door, I can overhear this babysitter saying to this child, you are a bad kid. You are such a bad kid. I can't believe you did this. And he, they kept saying, you are bad. You are bad. And I was so angry. I grabbed this child, brought him into the other room and said, you are not bad. You are good. 
The Lord loves you. You know, this, this is who you are. This was not a good choice, but this is who you are. And I asked them about it this week and they didn't even remember. Yeah. So I was so grateful. I was like, because that could have planted this awful seed, you know, in their lives. Um, and that babysitter was done. <laughs> yes, they were. Sorry. That was it. Um, no compassion there. No. Mm, you got it. No. Um, so we want to do this day in and day out. And then another thing that we do in our family, this is just an idea, is on their birthdays, uh, we will have a special time of affirming. We'll just go around the table um, over cake or dinner or whatever and just speak life and how they've grown and how God's using them, any strengths, gifts we see in them, things like that, which is just another opportunity. But it's so important just to continue to affirm and affirm and affirm because the world is gonna give them opposite messages. So we wanna be that source of affirmation, who they are in Jesus. So good. And... Uh even naming it. So Paul says to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, 11, but you, O man of God, pursue righteousness, flee immorality. And so I started calling both of our sons, man of God, man of God, man of God, but that got kind of long. So I started calling them M-O-G because it just got too long to say man of God, man of God, man of God. Come on, man of God, man of God, man of God. But then emoji got to where recently one of the children said, why do you call them emoji? Like E-M-O-G-J, anyway, like a graphic, yeah. So anyway, but it's that idea of naming it. This is who you are. You're a man of God. This is who you are. You're my son. You're my daughter, whom I love, with whom I'm well pleased. So good. Let's just take a second, Renata, and will you just take a moment? You just pray for all. I, I, I want to, let's pray specifically for all the women, all the moms, and I just want to stretch it out because you embody these things. Can, let's just go all parents today. Uh, I need some of that anointing, that compassion anointing that's on your life, all right, what you carry, all right? But let's just take a moment and let's just pray for moms and parents. Lord Jesus, God, I just thank you, Lord, for all of the parents who are present here today and online. God, we just come before you as parents with these precious gifts that you've given us that we're stewarding, Lord Jesus. God, we ask for your wisdom and your strength. God, we ask that you would help us to see into their hearts and their lives, Lord Jesus, what's really going on. God, we ask that you would give us the words to say when we don't know what to say. God, we ask for just your Holy Spirit to guide our tongues, Lord. God, that we would be men and women who affirm our children. God, that we would affirm them from the days of their youth and that we would continue to affirm them all of their lives. Every good thing, Lord Jesus, would we call it out? Would we see them the way that you see them, Lord Jesus? Help us see them the way that you see them. And God, help us take the time to see. God, would you help us to be attentive parents? Lord God, would you help us to set aside our personal agendas, Lord Jesus, in, in the right moments. God, even at night before they're going to bed when there's no time constraints, God, I just ask that we would take time to see, to talk, to have conversations. Lord, and God, let us have compassion. Let us have your heart. Let us have empathy. Let us see what their lives are like in these moments. And God, let us be the ones that try to help. Let us be their cheerleaders and their advocates and their coaches. God, we, we can't do this on our own, yeah. Lord.
Lord, we need your supernatural strength. So God, we ask for that today. In Jesus' name. Yeah, and if you just keep your heads bowed and today you may hear this story of the son who came home. And that may be you, you wanna come home today. And you hear that this is what Jesus describes God like. He's like a father who welcomes home the wayward son. Maybe today you would say, that's me. And you want to be in right standing with your father. This son walked away and did life on his own, apart from relationship with his father, and then came to his senses and returned home. And if you want to say, that's me, I want to go home. You're not going to walk down a dusty road today, but you are going to reestablish relationship. And I'd like to invite you to do that by praying this prayer. It's God that does the work. It's God who has finished the work for you. He's literally sent his son to go die on a cross in your place for your sin. What you do is turn around. What you do is this resolve, I'm going to go back to my father. If that's you today and you want to run home, I want to invite you to pray this prayer. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus and I come home. Take me, accept me, find me repentant. I don't want to do life on my own. I want to walk with you. So save me, change me. I want to spend eternity with God forever and ever. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, let's all stand together. We're going to take just a moment. I want to invite the prayer team to come forward and I want to invite the ushers to come forward. And today, if you did pray that prayer, I'd like to invite you to just Go right there on our website, radiantchurchkc.com. Let us know that you made that decision to follow Jesus. If you're online, here's what we want to do. Kenny Grasha leads a small group at our warehouse every Sunday night. We'd love to help you take a, a first step, get into relationship with people that are learning what it means to follow Jesus. We'd love to resource you. We'll send you an email this week that just helps you learn how to get not just resources, but relationships to help you as a follower of Jesus. I want to invite you, uh, make sure, fill that out. Let us know so we can help you uh, on your journey. We hope that this can be a house uh, where you grow in that relationship with Jesus. It's what we're all committed to here. I want to take just a moment, pray over our offering. um, And I want to invite you, if you have any needs, any reason um, why you'd like to pray. And just like last week, if, if you want to also pray for other people, this is a great moment, not just to come forward for your own needs, but to stand in the gap as an intercessor to care for other people, to pray for other people to come to know Jesus, to care for other people to be healed, to care for other people who are in the midst of their broken moment and right now they're in need of a miracle. It's a great moment to even come up here and just say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna love somebody by praying for them. I wanna invite you to come do that. Uh, Father, we love you today. And Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in our house. I thank you for every parent that's here. God, I thank you that this is a house filled with families with faith. God, we just choose to go against the cultural norm where we place ourselves 
above everything else. And instead, we want to be servants of all. We want to see Jesus, the ultimate servant, and say, no, I'm going to choose as a part of my calling to help my child as a baby, kindergarten, 10th grader, 25-year-old, 40-year-old, walk with God. And I care about that. So I'm going to give my attention. I'm going to give my compassion. I'm going to be intentional about caring for them, helping them. And I pray that that would mark the mothers and the fathers of our house. We pray that we would see God as our example and that do the best that we can. Rearrange our priorities. God, we love you today. Take what we give. Use it, Lord God. God, as we see teenagers coming this summer, God, as we are going into next week where we're gonna see this thousands of people commit to overseas missions. God, we ask, Lord God, use what we give to make a difference here in Kansas City, in our families, God, and around the world. God, we love you today. We honor you in Jesus' name.